Forgotten limits, not next man. And welcome back to Backbodyshop Plus. We are joined by again Eurograps.com this week. This time it's Gary O'Donoghue. And Gary, how on earth are you keeping these troubled times? I've been keeping as well as you can be, trying to stay positive. Uh, it, it's it's been uh, we're, we've we've come on to kind of talk to talk about uh, to talk about a, a very large event in European wrestling, but with the way things have unfolded in the last week, it's felt like it's been a month ago. This is this has been a, this has been a one of the most craziest weeks in wrestling and like news in general in uh, I can remember. Yeah, I mean. You know, we you know have one of those guys. You know, wake up, you know, see Sky News or BBC News for updates. It's been the point where it's like you just turn it off and just if anything breaks, it'll probably come through on your phone. But yeah, I mean, we can talk about uh, WWX three sixteen carat gold later. But there was meant to have been a second big festival weekend over in your neck of the woods this past weekend, which uh, fell by the wayside. Um, you know, obviously you've listened to this, you know what's going on in the world, coronavirus pretty much you know the only topic of news these days but uh yeah scrappermania and the hangover contender show both uh got cancelled what in the middle of the week and yeah it seems it was quite a lot for you no know, a lot of plans for ott fell by the wayside and as and when those are gonna you know get a chance to come through who knows but um two very stacked cards for scrapper weekend yeah like Probably it, it was an interesting Scrapper Mania was a really interesting card from kind of the get go because back in start of February we kind of didn't know which direction OTT were going with Scrapper Mania and then at the end of February it seemed that they'd they'd stacked the card and being headlined with the like the the indie dream match kind of between David Starr and John Moxley of two of the big well Moxley being one of the biggest stars in wrestling at the moment outside of WWE and David Starr being you know, the biggest star in independent wrestling in Europe at the moment. And then the uh, the, the much-awaited uh, OTT tag team title match between Mustache Mountain and Morden Hype. Um, yeah, it, it's it's just been so odd. And I, I, my heart goes out to Joe um, for, for this one because you it was last minute. It was Thursday, um, Thursday morning. Uh, Irish government announced that uh, the, the venue uh, restrictions, so it was 100 for any indoor venue, which the national stadium is 2,000 plus, and then even uh, even the ringside club, you know, it's ringside club is 400 plus, so there was no way these shows could have been run in any kind of safe form, and there was no way they could book the trend really and go against uh, go against kind of the public sentiment as well. So he. Um, the the OTT fans though in Ireland have reacted to this in such an incredible way. There's been a GoFundMe campaign to help alleviate some of the financial costs that uh, Joe's going to get inflicted on with this. So there's been over six thousand euro raised um, yes. by OTT fans. Yeah, it's looking now sixty seven hundred euros as we're recording, and I mean there's been a lot of shows cancelled in the UK. You're expecting. You know, WrestleMania weekend is a almighty question mark, and I think that's maybe ninety nine percent not happening now. But they're playing this god awful game of chicken between the city of Tampa, WWE, and I guess the United States in general, who's going to blink first so they can foot the bill. But uh, yeah, I think was it on the uh, Wednesday, Thursday when my GoFundMe was set up, that quickly shot up, and you know, some pretty big donations may or may not have been from people on the card who knows if they're anonymous 
But, um, yeah, just a fantastic show of respect. I mean, I know the initial uh, feedback from the fans when the cancellation was announced was, I don't want my refund. So, you know, it's really hard for them to see, you know, pushing nearly 200 uh, donations here. The fact that we've got that many people donating you know, anything at all you know, should help soften the blow. And hopefully when you know, this all blows over, if it does... You know, I'd imagine that uh, you know these lot of people on this list will be first to be going through the doors, whether it's at the Ringside Club, the National Stadium, or you know even the KOFC. Yeah, I I think luckily for OTT in the last few years that they've been in a much more financially stable situation. Um, for people who aren't aware, OTT did back a lot on themselves. Uh, coming into 2017, the Flow Slam live. Uh, show they did for Scrapper Mania 3 was was being budgeted on a loan. A few of the other big stadium shows were being budgeted on loans as well. But I think I think OTT's position and the, how they were drawing in 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 shows in Dublin and Belfast uh, all through the year um, and selling out kind of put them in a much more better posi- position to take a bit of this brunt. But it's still not a great time, and it's um, you know I. And as well, thinking about it as well, and it was a very good point raised by the OGMO, is, you know, the right decision was made, but a lot of talent are being left without, you know, bookings here and very high-profile bookings as well. Um, So, you know, a lot of talent, and I think a lot of fans have rallied behind the talent as well, but buying merch, and I think a lot of people pushing to subscribe to the on-demand too. So there's, it's, it's put, it's, it's, put a kind of a little bit of a silver lining on a pretty bad news week that you know the fans are going to be there through thick and thin with this company and it shows what they've built over the last five years that they've been that they're able to do this i know last night was the big watch long of scrapmania 5 that thinks uh you know myself watched along with uh, matthew botchmania quite a few of us judging by the the scrapmania hashtag I think it's just a shame, you know, it took something like this to get, you know, wrestling fans to hold a bond, but, you know, I would say this is pretty much day one. You know, if you can, you know, afford it, sign up to VOD services, which, you know, for companies you like, buy the merch of wrestlers you like, because, you know, for new cinema to go by, we're going to be in this stage for a long while, so, you know, find your favourite company and tuck into their back catalogues, which I guess kind of uh, takes on to the weekend before, which... Say as it stands, probably the last big weekend of wrestling we're going to get for a long while. Um, both us over in uh, Oberhausen and Essen for sixteen cow gold weekend. It feels a million miles away, but I mean, even of the inner circle, you're seeing first signs of uh, Julian Pace in the opener, you know, taking hand sanitizer on his way to the ring, you know, Ishikawa and, and what have you, you know, touching boots rather than handshakes and all that. Uh, I mean, Christ! If we knew then what you know, what was going to come, you know, I think you know, a lot of people may have been not maybe not quite as carefree, but you know, you know, people have been a lot more outgoing. I guess not to say it was uh, not quite like a library or anything like that. No, it, it's such it's it, like I'm just thinking as well to like that the weekend of or in that first show of Inner Circle, the innocence of it all. No one expected how this was going to play out in a week later, and also. How how much WXW got got out of they got they finally got a rub of the green in terms of their look because um, you know the local government for the the 
the rural area of uh, Germany announced that they were putting venue restrictions out of only 100 people indoors when Carrot was doing a thousand plus on that Sunday. Uh, so it's it's just crazy to think. And yeah, there was a few little little indications of kind of referencing the the ongoing global pandemic, but. For the most part, I think everyone managed to put to the back of their mind and got treated to a really, really good inner circle card. And guess, you know, just a quick run through. Um, for me, guess for highlights, we had Absolute Lavandi, which I mean, I think he was, was he part of the pre-show for Tag League? Oh, so the Tag Festival, I know Lavandi's very new to the WXW cards. Um, he's one of, the, one of the many names they've... Um, you know, really had to push, you know, with all the guys who've been moving on and guys who they no longer have access to. And, you know, his usage here, you know, he came out dressed as Absolute Andy, as the joke was. And, you know, he's one of those guys, I I don't want to say he's, it's going to be like, you know, the Charlie Haas stuff, you know, where he impersonates someone different every week and it gets old and it, you know, really pigeonholes him. But, you know, if you watch him on the you know, WXW Now shows, you know, he's got his character, he's absolute gold on the microphone, even in a language you don't understand. And the fact that, you know, they are trusting him to do stuff like this. You know, clearly folks are in XXW, you know, if it's you know, Avalanche heading up the Academy or you know, whoever else can be creative team, clearly have a lot of faith and trust in him. They really do. Um, I think he's had a bit, he's got, he's got a very good track record with WXW through the Academy shows. Um, he's been a a project they've been working on through the academy and yeah it was it was tag fest was kind of his first big weekender in, in wxw and it was his his litmus test and the fans started to take to him and then back at back to the roots uh in january he was extremely over with the german fans um and then this is kind of translated and the you know the absolute levandy stuff as well it's a nudge nudge wink wink to the to, to those academy shows that they haven't recorded where it's uh you know, he he had ran that gimmick at, at the show previously, uh, it, with with full Andy's old music. So, <laughs> um, it, it it played in. It was a nice little play into matches, especially as well considering his opponent that match was Jay Skillet. So, um, they I think they can forgive him to give him a little bit of a more of a gimmicky shtick there. But he he's what uh, he is one of those shining stars though in with within their system that's starting to come true and, you know. WXW has always had good characters, and this is an, another one of those that's going to be pr- pretty high up and on their roster within in within the next year. I guess you no, know, all these shows. I think as we speak now, Night Three just dropped on WXW now in German, so it's just you know ambition and the showcase show, but still to drop. So yeah, in the circles up now, and you'll be able to see what is quite possibly the worst attempt to fake out referee, which. Of course, intentional, but no, does not make it funny. <laughs> no, God, God, even watching the the, the 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 gif of that back was just hilarious. <laughs> um, it, that this inner circle card, though, um, inner circle kind of they, they they had a new approach with it this year that they didn't announce any names in advance. Where usually WXW would give you an indication of even maybe one or two matches, and then the rest would be kind of they might announce a name or two that's appearing. Where this time they said no, we're we're just going to do a mystery show, so no one's going to know what matches um, ahead of time, other than the wrestlers themselves. Yeah. So we got treated to like the second half of the show had two of 
could argue they're up there with the matches of the weekend. Um, the first being Shigehiro Irie against Scotty Davis, which was an absolute who for a, a inner circle card. I mean, obviously you said uh, mystery card, uh, Jen, who does photos for website, massive fan of Irie. And as soon as she saw you know, him pop out through the entranceway, I think he might just be able to hear it on VOD, but I mean, it's been too long since Irie's been over in Europe. And not him against Scotty Davis. I mean, yeah, there's the obvious size difference, but it wasn't just Irie, you know, punching Scotty all over the place. Scotty more than held his own. Uh, but I think, I think it was right towards the end of one of the last moves he did, the cannonball. I mean, it shows you how long it's been since I've seen Irie live. I've got how murderous that bloody cannonball could be. Just squish him in for turnbuckle and then, you know, come out with just as much force. It was brutal. I had I had Andre Cartier um, in in my ear just before the, uh, just as, as soon as this match got announced. He says Erie's going to turn him into Scotty Pancake, and then as soon as he hit that spot, he just screamed at me, "Scotty Pancake, Scotty Pancake." <laughs> um, so, oh, it's it, oh, it's has been one of those guys, and it's been nearly over a year since I've seen him wrestle in Europe. Uh, it was a sixteen carat last year, I think was the last time I'd seen him, apart from maybe one or two shows. And I forgot how goddamn good he is. He's he's someone who really ups his game when he came over here, and he's um he had he had another very very good match. We'll get, we'll touch on later. Yep. So again, guess finish off in a circle of the main event: uh, Chris Ridgeway, Daniel McCarthy against Daisuke Kada, Yuki Ishikawa. I mean, we've been to inner circles before where they've had you no know, technical matches. I've, Nothing was won at uh, Tag Festival last year, Maccabee and Alexander James, which, you know, fantastic match-based stuff, but it just didn't capture the crowd because, you know, if you haven't seen the, you know, the Inner Circle shows, you're talking 150, 170 people, they say, and you know, if your entire style is match-based, one of those who rings I get to see it and everyone else is kind of like, you know, ducking through between shoulders to see. But, um, yeah, this one, I thought the crowd was more than up for no fact you had you know, Ikeda and Ishikawa on a team, Ridgeway and Makabe on the other side. This was absolutely fantastic. And it wasn't just you no know, ground based grapple grapple. You had you no know, Ridgeway just seemingly swing or you know, swing like he was punching for home run, that kind of thing. Yeah, I there's there's gotta be two words that ring out w- within this match that I'll never forget is Yuki Ishikawa on the apron telling Daisuke Ikeda to kick him. <laughs> kick him. With an absolute look of glee on his face. Uh, Yuki Ishikawa, this is the second WXW weekend, and it's, it's Daisuke Ikeda's first as well. Um, and they were more than up for it this weekend. It, guys at their age could just absolutely coast it in on their past successes, but they decided that they were going to have fun this weekend, and this match just delivered. Um, I know I was talking to Alan Cheapshot about this, um, and you know he felt this was it, it was a, a lesson in wrestling. Watching this up close at ringside, um, it, it's it's definitely a match that you like, you couldn't put on a big show. It ha- it's it's suited for inner circle, and I'm glad the tradition of having these kind of shoot style, not ambition rules, but close to it, um, are continuing on inner circle because they they're an absolute treat and a reason you should. 
head out that extra day early to to um to Germany and head to Essen to to experience this because there there's special moments that happen at inner circle that you 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 know won't happen for the rest of the weekend. And again, it's not really non-canon, but you know a lot of inner circle stuff is. No, some of the stuff maybe just playing to count, but it is meant for as like a, a homage to you know W old, you know the old West Side Dojo, now the Academy, you know, and you've got that the intimate feel that you used to have of carrots of years gone by. It obviously now you absolutely can't get, especially not when you're in you know, sixteen hundred fans of a turbine hall, and that's where we were the next day. Uh, I guess we'll start you no know, night one again, not going match by match. So sorry, Matthew. Sorry, Strigger. You're you no. Know, brief little squash we're not going to be talking that much about but um yeah three years in a row i mean are they going to be going will we you know, will they be wrestling around in a year's time i hope so um i, I as as far as i'm aware the we are going for their, their third year in turbine hall one uh yeah. after this weekend um i just just something to mention and it's i'm going to mention it now the job Dennis and the team did in the setup for 16 characters year was incredible um, there's very few promotions in the world that match WXW under production, um, and it was just phenomenal. And it's it's one of those moments I look forward to every single WXW weekender is walking into that venue and seeing what they've done with the place. And um, they they listened to the fans this year. They had more tiered standing areas, and for the first time ever with their brand new camera equipment, they had a live feed. So yeah. in the, in the arena in the top. Uh, top right hand corner of the arena they had a massive screen so fans who were on the pit areas of the either side of the the ramp usually are the, the ones who can't see onto the ring uh great it's it was a problem we had last year um but they'd managed to rectify it by having the screen up so you have live footage of the guys that uh, on guys with cameras at ringside shooting the match so you can see what's going on um, and yeah, just the whole place. It looked so professional as usual, and it just uh, it's just that's that that car feeling. You know, they they always outdo. They manage to outdo themselves every year. I don't think I've ever been disappointed with walking <laughs> into a WXW weekender and thinking, "Oh, this is this is all right." It's like usually, "Oh, wow." Yeah. Um, I don't manage to catch Dennis. I think it was before the final night. Um, so obviously. You know, for press stuff, uh, in Turbine Hall 1, we get one small little balcony, which, you know, it's different to Turbine Hall 2, but, you know, it gives a balcony, and if you've got a pass, you can go wherever, no, wherever on the floor in the press area. But, um, yeah, Dennis came over, had a quick chat from on the Sunday for the show. I think what I said to him, I'm not lying when I say this, the production values of Carrot beats pretty much any other independent show I've seen. Like no, I know Progress have a video screen. I think it took them three or four super strong styles at Alexander Pulse to do, even just for hard cam on a video screen. This was for live edit on the video screen. You know, and the fact that you know from where we were sitting, you know, there was some stuff where you know, lots of brawling, the crowd dives, etc., were maybe out of our line of sight. You know, video screen, you know, very clear as day. You weren't having the risk of. No, you know, the old head shrinker stuff, you know, and superstars back in the day, you know, the camera on the screen, on the screen, on the screen kind of thing. Um, in that, yeah, you had you know, more standing areas, you no know, more raised standing areas. I think the only downside, I think this was again on the final night, or maybe the Saturday I saw a few complaints on, 
the stage lights um, could have done been torn down a bit, but I think, I don't know if, you know, they did do that, but I, I definitely saw one or two tweets of people complaining, you know, the stage lights were really shining towards the back of the room, which, unfortunately, that's where I think a lot of the Irish uh, was standing over the weekend. Yeah, there was a little corner that a good proportion of the Irish congregated in, along with Daniel Maccabe, um, that congregated um, by the the, uh, the entrance to the toilets, but the, the lights from the stage were directly beamed onto them, so there, yeah, the, the red and yellow washes from those weren't weren't very well received. But I think for night three, they they toned them down or angled them a little bit different, so they weren't. You could at least see the ring and see see what was going on, as opposed to trying to squint through uh through bright bright uh, bright LED lights. Yeah. So again, just a quick look through the Sunday show, uh, the Friday show. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, guess just pick off some of the main matches. Opening Mike Bailey and Chris Ridgeway. For Christ, what a way to start the weekend off. I I think this is probably the best opener to 16 Carat for Carat to be in that life of setting a tone for the weekend. Um, and just the guys kicked the shit out of each other. <laughs> it was great. I, I Like, in terms of notes for, for this match, is they both they both beat the crap out of each other um speedball has been an, an mvp in europe and european promotions for years now and you now he can go with anyone and chris ridgeway since his, his run in noah has been he's been in phenomenal shape and form uh that time in japan has done him the world of good yeah and this is kind of his for this is a little bit kind of his coming out party in in germany at least and showing that he, you know, the, the difference from him uh, in, you know, in a few months uh, since the uh, Ambition Wildcard tournament. So, yeah, Ridgeway, Ridgeway is phenomenal here, and, and so is Speedball. It's just a great match and such a such a fast, great opener to to sixteen carat instead of what could be usually a, a little bit of a slow plodding big man match. They decided to go. No, we're just going to go fa- fast and hard with kicks. We're going back to you know, the big man match you know, a bit later in the night. Black Taurus, uh, Shikahiro Iwie. Now, I think my review just started. This is very much my graps. You know, two big lads. You know, we're not doing the plodding 80 style. They went hell for leather. And yeah, when this one came out, it was, I was kind of sad that they paired him up so early. But in hindsight, I'm glad we got this on night one. You know, you know Iwie going through. But yeah, Bug Me was just one of those matches where... I think it was for chant during the match. If you all love beef, clap your hands. I think even the vegans were chained for that. Yeah, this is this is big beefy guys going at it, and it was a perfect big man's match. Uh, like just what you'd if you think of having two guys who are two hundred pound plus absolute units facing off with each other immediately starting a match with shoulder blocks. It's just like okay, this is this is the, the this is the direction they're going. These guys are just going to absolutely beat the crap out of each other, and it's going to be amazing entertainment. Um, yeah, I think there was it was uh, Irie's chant of usually beast mode became beef mode uh, <laughs> for for this match uh, amongst the the section I was in with the with the two Ogden boys. So yeah, f- phenomenal match, and you know I think one of the standout matches of uh, night one. I guess uh, I think just before that we had uh, Julian Pace and Bandido. 
pace had a few, I don't want to say a few missteps, but there's definitely a section of the crowd that weren't on his side this weekend. Nothing was you know, more than a smashing of booze across the whole show for him. Uh, but I think you know, Julian Pace, if there are any question marks around him going into the tournament, all gone here, okay, he went out in the first round. But I think he more than raised this game against Bandido. And you know, Bandido, I say, one of the MVPs for the weekend. But yeah, Julian Pace, you know, can't go no unsaid just how rock solid he was this weekend. There was a genuine fear with with, Pete, with someone like Julian Pace going against Bandido. You're like, okay, Pace is going to get lost here, and he's going to be carried by Bandido to a good match. And you know, Pace, we've we've known Pace has been a prospect in WXW for two, three years now. You know, he's had flashes of what he can do, but he hasn't had these moments or or match that you're like, okay, that's why he's here. That's why he's being you know put put at this level. And Pace had that match against Bandido. And it wasn't that just, you know, Bandido brought him to that level. Pace decided to match him. And it was the best Julian Pace match I've ever seen. Um, you know, he delivered in spades here. Uh, and as you said, Bandido was an MVP of the weekend. Uh, but it took absolutely nothing nothing away from Pace's performance this weekend. And he had a few other flashes of of greatness as well on the on the third night as well. So I guess elsewhere, uh, no, just skip through the results first night. Uh, Lucky Kid lost in first round to Yearn Simmons. We'll touch upon him a lot late in the weekend. Uh, rotation against Puma King. Pretty decent match, but they started the storyline of him and Russ Taylor, which I thought was going to play out over the weekend. It kind of petered out after night one, which it's a bit of a weird one. Uh, Alexander James, Jeff Cobb. Of course, Jeff Cobb, the late replacement for Leo Rush, who... Yeah, I think he I think he dropped out when me and Mike were recording the preview uh, podcast of this, which no, so he yeah, either way he dropped out. No, well, did, after we did the podcast, that's right. It was um, Alex Shelley dropped out as we recorded. Um, decent match, but again, I think you know Alexander James start no started the storyline here with Killer Kelly, which yeah, we, we could talk more about that to go on. Cal uh, Noir, Maurice Alani for me, I thought that was okay. Um, Again, we see a lot more of Cowan over the weekend, but the night one main event, uh, JAA winning the tag titles from the Pretty Bastards. And I think there's a few people kind of take that as Pretty Bastards being a almost like an experiment that didn't quite work. But I think what you've got to remember is these guys, you know, both Ahua and Maggot, very raw, very inexperienced. So you know, I, I don't know if the storyline plans were before the Cursed Tag Team Festival weekend, but. Or they won the tag titles then. And I would dare say that this was maybe that first title run, which, you know, maybe give them a taste for what's to come in the future. Yeah, I think to say, you know, the Pretty Bastards' first title run is like a bit of a failure or anything like that's a bit a bit unfair on them, considering, you know, they their story in WXW was not being booked on shows for about a year. And then finally, then a tag fest due to the circumstance of that cursed weekend, they they won the tournament and they set up an angle with their stable of uh with uh Ollie Carter, Norman Harris and Bobby Guns and um I I think the the great thing about this match as well is they kept it clean from interference with those guys that they said, you know, anyone who interferes will be, you know, uh, suspended from promotion for six months and, you know, making it feel like a 
it's going to be a, a straight wrestling match. And, you know, Pretty Bastards have impressed me. They've had some pretty decent, like, decent matches in WXW. Again, they're, as you said, they're still very raw. Um, the, 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 the parts are there, and they're still being put together. But I feel they, they're, they're getting to a point now where they're starting to get comfortable with their, their characters, and they're being given given stuff to sink their teeth into. Uh, but I think the tag title run might have been just too early. Um, if it was maybe a year later, I think it probably would have been a bit bit more better timing. But um, a, a good match. Um, absolute Andy in this run. You know, after his title run in 2018, I I thought Andy was just going to start, you know, phasing out his, his, his stuff in wrestling. I thought that was going to be his last raw. But this run he's had is, you know, this, this being the absolute dad um, has been incredible. And considering the, the JA team is makeshift because of Francis Caspin's injury, him and Jay Skiller have, ter- have turned, you know, chicken, sh- chicken shit into ch- chicken salad. It's yeah. been incredible um, how much they're loved by the fans. And, you know, it, it they're just delivering it's so much and they're adding so much to the to, to the product at, at this point uh, and uh, we'll talk about it for night too but you know Andy and Jay have been just so so good and I, I it was delighted to see the titles actually being put back onto them and again we'll see night two evaded quite a bit but just blow through uh, ambition um you know the shield style too and I think for me uh, two matches really leapt off the page here uh, both super fights. Um, start Ethan Allen, Luke Jacobs. I uh, think story of those two. Uh, they were booked on uh, Tetsujin last year over in Liverpool. Uh, Tassel Young refereeing that match, and think said for seconds for the main event of the match finishing. He was on the, on the phone to Felix Kohlenberg said we need these guys. So the match got booked. He refereed again, and uh, those you don't know, Ethan Allen, Luke Jacobs, uh, teams of young guns in England. They are 18, 19 year old each, I'd say. And they you know, pretty much brothers to each other. And my God, you know, you've got the, the, ad, the adage of you know, you know, family members or you know, brothers when they wrestle each other hit a little bit harder. Fucking hell, they hit hard. I mean, throughout they were knocking lumps out of each other. You know, Ethan Allen dominated from the start, but both these guys, you know, they left everything out there and you know, you think you went from think only you know the Brits, the Irish and the Octans knowing who they were to getting a really good ovation from the five hundred plus who were there for ambition. That's gonna be a big win for both those lads. Yeah, they they the definition of taking a ball and running with it. They just it was I it was my first time I hadn't seen a test Ted Sujin fight. Um and I was blown away. I had seen the, the Young Guns wrestle. I'd seen them wrestle at OTT against Borden Hype and True Pros. So I had seen, you know, the, the talent was there. But seeing them in this style and just absolutely laid into each other. And this little story that they've been telling in the match as well uh, with Eaton Allen was just phenomenal. Um, it, it was, it's... It's one of the reasons why, you know, ambitions can't miss um, is you get these gems of fights in, in that shoot style that just make that take your breath away. Of like, this is why I love wrestling. Um, phenomenal match uh, up there with one of the, the, 
the ones of the weekend. But I think that the other super fight just decided. I think the 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 young guns lit a fire under the old guns in that second super fight. <laughs> yeah, so we talk about obviously uh, Ishikawa and Akeda tag teaming in a circle. <sighs> this was a sight to behold, man. I mean, I think. Uh, Jen, you know, doing the photos for the weekends next to us, was saying about how it's like you, you know your cheeky granddad's having a fight. You know, you, you know you had the odd cheap shot, a lot, a lot of headbutts to the point where I think the feud was almost uncomfortable. Just how often, how heavy they were clonking each other in the head. But you know, these guys, they could have easily coasted through and gone, uh, you know, a wrist lock here, a hammer lock here. You know, we'll do a hold. Fuck, they went all out for this. I mean. At one point, I could have sworn that uh, was, I think Cicada drew blood at one point. Apparently, it's just really red bruise. Um, but my God, these two, you know, you know I think Jen called it Kara, um, like, you know, like an, an elderly statesman coming out and you know, the Lord of the Manor of his robe kind of thing. It's like, you no, know, um, pulling the curtain back a bit, uh, Tim Thatcher had thrown himself in just to see this match, and that's kind of how you know his farewell on night three came. He was watching from so anyone of Turbine Harvest for bit where there's a you know a bit where the wrestlers go when so kind of like in Japan you've got like the winners go up the stage, the losers go through the back entrance I guess. And the security there and like guardrails so you know fans can't go through there. Thatcher was watching the entire match from that, you know, leaning on that guardrail. He was losing his mind through that. Like, you know, not you no know, scream going on, but you could tell he was like a pig in muck almost. Yeah, I, and you can understand why. Um, this match was one of the matches of the weekend for me. Um, yeah. I, I think I went 4.75 and grappled with it. Oh, wow. It's four and three quarter match. Um, I had the five star fear. Um, I, this is definitely my graps. Like, this was just violent and not violent in terms of weapons but just these beating the crap out of each other i i there was points i all like gasped at the running headbutt that does kk to yukishi cow with yukishi cow looks like this frail old man because he is a frail old man <laughs> and does kk just ran at him with a running headbutt no and just knocked him down and then you Ikeda turns around and's got this absolute egg growing on his forehead that's swollen and red. That these guys, their their legendary matches they've had in the past, I think they realise it's probably their last match they're going to have, and just decided to put everything out there and and have one of those matches that just blew blew things away. Yeah, I mean, I think you're looking at Ikeda. Just look on cage match. Kade's fifty two, Ishikawa's fifty three, so you know, elder statesman, you know, that's put it lightly. I mean, yeah, I need to watch this one back when it hits VOD. I think it's hitting VOD on I wanna say Tuesday. Um I know Directory's been very prompt, you know, we've actually had a schedule this year, they've kept it as being no oops, sorry, our system's gone down, giving them a few days. Um yeah, Ambition twelve is coming out on Tuesday, so you know, they'll be out, and I don't think there's any commentary on these either, so, you know, we're not going to have had you know, the issues you normally have with, um, you know, the rest of the release where Germans come then and English has followed pretty soon after, but, yeah, this one I want to go back and watch, I gave it four live, and I think a lot of it might have been the whole, oh God, those headbutts, you know, taking me out of it a little bit. Um, but yeah, to me, this is a match I 
I hold my hands up. I knew the names. I hadn't seen much of their work going in. Completely blew me away. And I think those are the kind of matches when you don't know people's backgrounds. I think those you know, have been nice, pleasant surprises which weekends like this tend to throw up. Yeah, it's and and that's I think the the beauty of ambition um, as well is that you do get the XW taking chances on guys on for ambition that you wouldn't see otherwise. Um, you know, guys like um, you know Daniel McCabe was originally brought in for ambition and then the wild card last year and and got knocked out um, in in the final or sorry semi final. Um, no, it was final. The, was it the final? Yeah, it was final against the Spanish fly yeah, final. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting confused between the um, this, the semi final that he he had uh, for this year's ambition, and you know, you you get to see guys do what they do best in that shoot style, and it, and it's been such a unique selling point of WXW, but it's they realize that it's it's a, it's a niche of a niche. It's not everyone's cup of tea. But anyone who does go to Ambition, it's it's worth experiencing once and experiencing live. If you ever go to these festival weekends, yeah. just to experience what it's like and to feel to feel and hear those chops, those punches, to hear the grunts from the grappling is just incredible to watch. And it's something you want to be close up to and watching. You know, you want to be standing next to the ring for um, to 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 watch. Um, I, I think it's it, it's easily one of the best ambitions of, of the recent festival weekends, um, because even the even the actual ambition tournament itself delivered some excellent matches. Maccabe had a stormer, and you know, got his um his his proverbial nod from WXW with winning ambition twelve. Um, really milked the Irish support in the uh, yeah. I was going to say the, the cheap pop on the, in the final. <laughs> Yeah, well, I you know, shout out to um, Daniel McCabe, uh, super fan Jamesy, who really turned most of the Irish on to Daniel McCabe years ago when he was the only one singing his praises about this this uh, this guy guy from Canada who's wrestling these incredible matches in three to one battles. So, uh, yeah, McCabe with that little subtle nod, and sadly didn't get to see him this weekend, but. Yeah, he had this uh, a great little moment with winning uh, uh, Ambition Twelve, and it was nice that the final was between him and Ridgeway, considering they had had the teaming, the uh, inner circle uh, with each other against uh, Ikeda and Ishikawa. And again, like that in a circle match, you know, completely hard hitting. You know, they swung for fen- proverbial fences, and you know, it's nice to see Makabe getting a pop for a football shirt for change. I know Ambition uh, last year, my my bad. Obviously, the Chelsea shirt on night one, he got booked out for building for. So, yeah, stick to the national shirts, a nice, safe, uh, neutralish ground anyway. But um, move on. Next show, again, just quickly touch on this, the WXW Now Showcase, uh, replacing the ill-fated uh, Wrestling Deutschland. Um, this, was, they had feature matches from, I think, seven promotions. Um, and this one, I'll admit, I need to watch back because... Things for second to three shows, and at this point I was kind of out my feet already. But um, one one match that really jumped off the page, uh, Joe Gacy, Anthony Green, I went three and a half live. It's the one I want to rewatch because I know I think Arn Fuse went nearly four, four and a bit on. Um, I think this, I don't, I said it wasn't as bad as Wrestling Deutschland. You had a very cold crowd because a lot of the names on here were fairly new outside the CCW and. 
I should mention it now. Uh, DJ Hyde was there mentioning their show in Germany uh, later in November. You got the date in the town wrong, but they're worth running somewhere in Germany, hopefully, later this year. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a nice uh, palate cleanser, I guess you'd call it. You know, you know, had you know, Rising Sun out of Italy, Smash out of Canada, uh, Body Slam out of Denmark, uh, CZW, obviously, British Empire Wrestling out of England, White Wolf of Spain, and Wrestling Cult. So anyone who did Mike Kilby's Wild Ride, you had uh, two matches for carnage within hours of each other, which I don't know what is in your, you know, against the RDA, but um, I think a lot more carnage than most people need. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to talk about the Carnage Rico Bushida match from Wrestling Cult. Uh, doesn't doesn't deserve the time of day. Um, I, I will say though, and for as as much as there, I will say, wanting just touch on Cult really briefly that the, the standout match of that kind of, of there's two standout matches from Cult that would I say considered good um, was uh, Mexburg against Mike D and uh, Tristan Archer in a three-way, a big man three-way. Um, Expert was actually quite impressive in it. Bit of a weird gimmick in terms of coming out with a really cheap-looking pound shop mask, but um, you know he has—he's able to move for a big guy. And Mike D from Belgium was a revelation of how good he is for someone who's completely unknown. But yeah, I, too much carnage for, in in one weekend. Um, the German fans love him. You know, whatever it is, he, he's over and he's over with the Oberhausen crowd. You know. Um, but that CZW match, you know, if, I, if, I, if if someone said that people would be actively chanting for CZW and not in an ironic way, at <laughs> 16 carat, they probably said, you know, you're pulling their leg. But yeah, Joe Gacy and Anthony Green went out there. And, and I did, this is the style of match that should be on uh, Showcase. Is yep. you bring two established guys over and you put on, this is why you should watch CZW. And they, I think they were the only ones that really got the MO. I think them and Rising Sun were the, the, the two promotions that got the MO of why you should watch their promotion. Um, and, may, and Smash as well, considering Smash sent their, their, um, their the pillars. Top units, yeah. Their gear, their top unit over. So three promotions really got the message of you need to impress. And in most in those three matches, they impressed. And Joe Gacy and Andrew Green was phenomenal for a, a mid-afternoon Saturday show that had a crowd really sitting on their hands after a woeful match uh, beforehand. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't want to talk about too much because I know, you know, you say anything negative, you know, I don't my Twitter's blowing up, but when I saw the match on paper and I saw, you know, British Empire Wrestling, Cat Von Cage, like Savalo, it was like, Von Cage is the BW Women's Champion, Lex is the Shooting Star Champion, I think that's the secondary belt in my promotion. I just remember sitting there when you know, Kat came out of her belt, and I'm thinking, you're the world champion, at least for women's division. A, why is your belt not on the line? B, why are you so interested in the secondary belt? It's like, you know, as a match thrown out cold, this just felt like, hey, let's do champion v champion for the hell of it. Like, nothing against Kat or Alexa, but to me it just felt like, if you're just sitting there going... Here's two, no, two names that you probably have not heard of. Alexa being German, no, got no, the babyface uh, pop from the crowd, which I don't think is what we're going for. I think Katz may be the babyface from a little BW I've seen. But yeah, this one I didn't have high hopes for just because of that whole background. Um, again, I think we said, if you look at the lineup here, 
you know, all these promotions are on WXW now. Um, I think it's just well CZW are having their current product on WXW now pretty quickly. I mean, uh, looking on the release schedule, I think they dropped their 21st anniversary show about two weeks ago on, on the service. Um, I think actually tomorrow they have another show dropping tomorrow where one of the pay-per-views. Um, so yeah, so I think out the whole lot, you know, CZW, definitely Rising Sun, definitely Smash, maybe Body Slam, I'd say, came out this with, you know, maybe people coming out going, I want to follow them more, but there's one, uh, one line, for example, Cheap Shot uh, gave after the show. Everyone has the same style. It's like, this is meant to be a showcase of your promotion. And very few people came out with a, you know, anything that stood out. You know, you had a good match, but everyone seemed to be working the same style. You had your dives, I mean, you know, come back that BEW match. You know, Von Cage and Marlowe did dives very early on. It's like, you know, okay, I guess it's a title match, but why? Like, when, you know, I think this is what, the third, fourth match of the show, and... Yeah, I'm just scrolling through my report quickly. Okay, um, I think yeah, did Carnage do a dive early on? Um, again, the fact that you know match three and you're doing dives in the old Chris Brooks in chair spots on a random throwaway show like this doesn't make sense. Yeah, there's there, there's there's a little bit of a. I think a little bit of the hangover of wrestling Deutschland where instead of someone booking the card and going through it beforehand, you're getting each promoter to book their match and, you know, they're putting out what they feel is their best match. And, um, you know, instead of the communication as, like, oh, we're having dives in this spot or we're doing a chair spot or it, you know, things did feel very samey and especially for promotions such as like White Wolf and Body Slam, which I had much more higher hopes for. Um, like I wasn't disappointed, but a little bit, um, a little bit of a, um, a, li- a little bit wasn't what I was expecting because they were so very similar. Um, but I, 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 as you said, it was a great, it was a great cal- palate cleanser after ambition to set you up for night two. Um, there, there. If you if you are allowed to check out three matches, there, there is the uh, the CCW match, the. Uh, the uh, Rising Sun match and then the uh, the the four way match from Smasher definitely worth your while to go check out. And again, that drops on to Black Street now on Tuesday night. Uh, blast through night two of Carrot for most part. Um, guess the first really big match. Uh, sorry, we'll, we'll go that. We'll go straight to it because we're all talking about the one match everyone came out of night two talking about the JAA Wildcard Tag Team Expert and Gauntlet. <laughs> If if you had told me I would be watching DJ Hyde wrestle in in 2020, and not only wrestle but but be, be pretty much jobbed out to put over Lavaniel, I, <laughs> I I would have thought that you were booking something on 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 TEW. It's just such a a pretty much a TEW match. This this got this wildcard gone. It it was a, such a break of pace for the show, uh, and just worked so well. Um. I, ha- I I do want to watch this back because I do want to hear the uh, I do want to hear absolute Andy on English commentary for this. <laughs> I haven't um, heard the commentary, but I have seen the promo subtitled. Um, so my German, I guess yours, well, not exactly the best GCSE slash A level German eh, conversational at best. You know, when you're talking sixteen years later, but uh, so bulk of it was 
no, basically we need to make the show for the division fresh again. And he's created an app, and he's going to shuffle the WXW roster. And it's creating only tag teams that have never paired in WXW together. Um, they've gone, you know, they've he's bought a paint program back off the biggest cheer of the night. They were, seriously, they were holy shit chance for absolute Andy saying he bought a paint program. That tells you how easy this crowd was at this point in the show. Um, and that they'd, they'd done the Birkendahl, which overnight they designed this you know, this logo and the graphics for the screen. And I'm not joking. I want this to be an annual thing. At the very least, put it on the goddamn T-shirt. But, yeah, this was, like, I guess, what's the term in uh, Chikawa? Uh, Prejas Incredibles? I'm doing a little cooling for, for <laughs> pronunciation butchering here, but um, Prejas Incredible, that's it. Um you can just go through the different teams. Julian Pace and Puma King against Lucky Kid and Leon Van Gastron. Well, there's the Volgastron split that I guess we were getting. Got not a blow-off, but just on opposite sides of the fence. Uh, King and Pace won, so they took on Avalanche and Black Taurus. Didn't last long. Uh, so then Avalanche Black Taurus live against Tariq and Norman Harris, which you know, one of the Smash guys uh, stayed on. And that led to a, fe- to a match on the feature event for next night. And the only thing I've got here is this may not go well for Norbert and I guess Oberhausen. Not big fans for Norman Harris. No, he's he, he's someone who has been he's he's been bubbling wonder. Um, he's in very much his Julian Pace role that he was that Julian Pace was in 2018. You know, he's being blooded in, and he is a prospect for them, and he's got a great look. Um, but uh, just this that you mentioned that team there of Avalanche and Black Taurus, I never knew I wanted that as a tag team. <laughs> I want that to be continued as a tag team around the world of these two big guys just absolutely bullying people, including DJ Hyde. <laughs> Who's the next one? Uh, so, no, random teams had DJ Hyde out first, and then Lavaniel following up behind him. And the look on DJ's face when Lavaniel came out, I mean, Paul was all in German, so I'm guessing he'd been told. Just react like this, it'll play well. And you know, Deej went ring, Lavaniel's just walking around, you no know, doing his I'm guessing a pun about you know Lieber and all this. I think um it's about having you no know, his granddad was a deathmatch wrestler or something like that. Yeah. Um his his granddad was a deathmatch wrestler. He eats uh, he eats bowls of nails uh, in the morning <laughs> without milk. Um so he he pretty much went in that he was the most extreme wrestler ever um <laughs> to 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 impress DJ Hyde and then it's <laughs> the vinyl's just about to get into the ring DJ Hyde's pinned for for the three count <laughs> with Tommy Geeson having to tell the vinyl that no you actually missed your match you're out um, an easy night's work walk down the ring do a lap and walk to the back um and then the final thing after that, and also his theme after that, Chris Ridgway, Scotty Davis. Um, I think this one was kept a bit short. It was just a lot of kicks. And then the final was Chris Ridgway and Scotty Davis against, I think a lot of people saw this coming when they had the, uh, the qualifier of never tagged before in WXW. The Young Guns were final boss, and they won the gauntlet, and then a tag title shot for next afternoon on the Wheel of Wrestling. But... Like I said, a fantastic change of pace, and I want them to keep doing this every year. Maybe not Vandy and Jay Skillet, but something like this just to get some kind of interest. And you no, know, use all the guys who've you know, been knocked out night one, and you know some of the ambition guys who stick around. 
yeah, it was it it's like in in carrots past you you know you had your multi-mans, your six man tags, your uh you know your 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 just your elimination matches, your four ways. This was a much better use of the guys, and then something where it builds up anticipation. Like everyone's like, oh, who do you got to uh, team up next? So it was great. It was a great match to um to really separate the two parts of the, of this card. Uh, but there was another match I think on on this night that was very 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 good. And what do you expect? I don't. It's Alexander James and Alpha Kevin. Of course, it's the quarterfinal. Speedball Mike Bailey and Bandido. The match that uh, makes us redefine our rating scales by balls of coins. I mean, my God! And I went full five in this. You know, maybe the few doubts I had just completely overwhelmed by live bias and the finish, but. I would have to say that was maybe one of, if not the best match I've seen live. You know, just a slow start, it bubbled up. And I think the point where it really turned on for me, a handspring into a poison run. I mean, what the hell, Speedball? I I was amazed. The finishing stretch of this match, I had my mouth wide open and was jumping around because it was just so good. And having wrestling match, I was a little bit feeling lethargic on this night. You know, being at wrestling shows since ten a.m. that morning, and it started to hit me. This match just got me absolutely pumped again, and a, f- a phenomenal match. I probably, I, I wouldn't say it's the, one of the best matches I've seen live. I've, I've been lucky to see some amazing matches live and in person, but it's up there. Um, the, I think what I was said it over the edge as well for a lot of people was the fans' reaction to this, and yeah. you know, you don't see in Europe anyway because we don't have you know pet or you know or pound or euro uh, or coins, not notes. So you don't see this tradition and the tradition of throwing your money to the ring, but there was coins and bonds and notes being rained upon Speedball and Bandito after this match. Um, you know, so much of the fact where, you know, Tommy Geese had said to, you know, throw notes. Uh, well, no, that was, the... was just for him, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, having two full uh, bowls of, uh, of of money after this match. Uh, and, and as well, the touching moment as well of um, of uh, Bandito superfan Chris Lawson getting brought into the ring. He was uh, ringside for this match and Bandito being his favourite wrestler you know, getting brought into the ring and being carried on both guys' shoulders as well and getting a massive pop from the travelling fans who, who knew him was a, in, a, such a great little touch. There was a lot of things in this match that, you know, even as even if it was a standard match would have pushed it up, but they just, the match itself, it's, if you don't have the XW now, this is the match you go subscribe for, for yeah. the month, €9.99, and buy it for this match. It's worth that and more. Just don't throw coins to your monitor afterwards. You know we're not responsible for any damage caused. But yeah, that f- that f- final bit with you know the euro notes for coins pelting the ring, you know with Chris getting paraded around, that's the kind of stuff that makes me love wrestling. You know, you can watch a match by yourself and go, yes, that was fantastic, that was great, and then we see sixteen hundred other people doing exactly the same. It's that kind of shit that just unites you as a, as a wrestling fan, especially with that's you know going on since. You know, we needed that kind of almost catharsis before the storm. But yeah, I would say this one, if you only watch, you know, one match from the whole weekend, and I think you'd be daft if you sign up for Directory now just for this, but 
if you if you're going to do that, make it this match because this one absolutely leaps off the page, and this is going to be pretty high up on those match of the year sheets, especially you know, when fans had a month off and you know how long everyone else is going to get. But this is going to be one of those that's going to be very high up on those sheets if it gets the eyeballs on it. Yeah, and and I think it it was that kind of feel good moment that the show needed, considering the little bit of a deflation, deflated atmosphere that that preceded with the main event of yeah. uh, night two. And yeah, I mean, touching on that uh, title week, career, David Starr, Bobby Guns, and I think it was um, it was Ben or just probably main event came up to me and said, "I think Starr's losing this." Well, why is that? He's not been not compared to his other big matches hardly anything for this until like two three days before um this one went i think it was 40 minutes 40 41 minutes it nearly went into that i think it's a joe lemon made first the phrase forced epic you know nearly went into that kind of territory but um i thought this was a you know, really good match i haven't seen it's going to be a day i know uh james he has he's you know been really you know, positive about it in terms of the 40 minutes it flew by um, I think it's a match that, in terms of storyline build, maybe wasn't quite there. You know, Star leaving, you know, during WrestleMania weekend last year and then coming back kind of muddied things up a bit. But, you know, it's a farewell match. You no, know, Star certainly did not phone it in. You know, he you know, pretty much did, I think the first five, ten minutes, he did a tope into the front row, breaking a chair, which, yeah, I mean, those kind of dives, if you're going to do them, have him leave Mark like that, I guess. Um, yeah, I think this one where, for me, it could have done been a little bit shorter. I mean, not that the match was, you know, went overly long. It didn't have the, you know, the scenario to Jay White stuff that, you know, people were fearing, you know, where it just went long and, you know, lost lost the crowd. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just think, you know, the, the way the match had been built, you know, the fact that, we had any run-ins from any Bobby Guns' lot and they're banned for six months and no Star wins the belt automatically. I think in hindsight that, and of course James's review uh, interview with David in December about directly don't care if I beat uh, Walter here first. These were all red flags we kind of missed. But um, yeah, the one thing for me was a takeaway, that free count after the Emerald Fusion at the end, just the sheer silence of that turbine hall. Never before have I heard that many fans so quiet. I've, I've, the, the only thing I can equate it to in terms of air leaving the room is when Walter beat Devlin at WrestleRama 2018. Of that stunned silence, um, of that kind of you're bracing yourself for it to happen, but then it actually happens. Um, I was a little bit down on this match going in. Um, Knowing I'd, I'd I'd convinced myself with Stars last match, considering he'd started to wrap things up with WWE heavy affiliate promotions, um, including Progress, where he kind of left on not so great terms in terms of how he was booked. But WXW has been his is pretty much his home in Europe. Um, it did it, it was the promotion that brought him in initially. Um, you know he's he's been a stalwart of their of their roster for for more than three years and uh, it, it's it, it did venture a little bit to that forced epic i think it could have had 10 minutes easily shaved off it um the near falls did bring me back into it but you know there, there's a little bit i think bobby was a little bit exposed here um 
you know, David Starr is had phenomenal matches with wrestlers um, across Europe. Um, and if you can't, if you're feeling like you're be, being playing second fiddle to him uh, and you're supposed to be the champion, uh, it's, it's not a, it wasn't a, a, a ringing endorsement of Bobby Guns as champion. Um, I, I think he's reached kind of that level he's at is not, he needs someone like think of Bobby's peak of his matches. You know, he had that match with Ilya. He had the match with Speedball in 2018. Um, you know, but there's, I don't know, something something wasn't clicking with me with Bobby on that match. Um, but it's not a bad match in any shape or form. It's a great match. But just for my expectations of both men would just fell a little bit short. And then the atmosphere after it just kind of was a little bit down. Um, but Star cut a phenomenal, uh, in a phenomenal open-hearted speech at the end. Um, very visibly upset over how things were, were uh, panning out. And, you know, he's going to be missed in Germany. I guess, you know, we've had all the stuff come out. Uh, he did a post-match promo, which didn't make the live VOD, whereas Chris Lawson did. So that's a bit of a, um, you know, balance for you. But I know Demix, we have released the promo separately on YouTube, but uh, I know... Uh, Tasman press conference on the next day it said that he was asked to you know he'll have a mic but it's up to him to do an in character you know in within the realm of the double x three storylines promo or what he ended up doing and you know, that's kind of why i got edited off of vod i guess but um yeah i mean the fact that you know star done with w with progress done with uh double xw i know there's you no know, guess narratives and rumours going around as to why that is, whether it was WWE who made the call or not. You know, the only people who know aren't going to say, you know, I mean, WWE said they're not going to say out respect for Star. Star's, you know, saying that he's not going to go into full, you know, the blood and guts because it's not not his place to say. You know, they're the only two parts who really know what the real deal is here. For me, David Starr going, it's another big name gone from the WXW roster and I don't want to say they're going to suffer because, you know, let's be realistic, they had a dry run of this a year ago when he quit after WrestleMania weekend. Um, but it is a big name, a big piece of the puzzle they're not going to have to play with anymore. Um, yeah, I think it is not going to be that gaping hole in the cards. I mean, you know, with David Starr, I would say he's kind of the same thing with Timothy Thatcher short of giving the belt what can what more can you do with him yeah he i like in in terms of character there was not nothing david stark could do other than the walter match and to be perfectly honest i think ott have done more to build that match up than wxw have in in, in the last year or so so you know that match being also under exclusive with the wxw exclusivity on that match kind of being thrown out as well was uh you know, fairly obvious that, you know, there, there was a little bit of a tinge in a relationship between WXW and David Starr. But I, it, the, the ringing point is that in his, in his, pro, in his, uh, his aftermatch promo was this is a mutual decision that both parties didn't want to make. Um, so whatever it was, it, it was something that they both agreed had to happen. Um, you know, there's this talk of Starr doesn't want to be on pro, promotions that are going to be on the WWE Network under his own um, for his own reasons, um, 
I don't think WWE strong armed them in this in this sense. I think it was down to WXW. Um but it it it's it did kind of set the mo- wheels in motion to certain things in Night Tree that started to really make things glaringly obvious um with the direction WXW are going in uh for the, the remainder of twenty twenty and, and beyond. Yeah. I guess you no know, touch on the Saturday, Sunday afternoon show before we get there. Uh Wheel of Wrestling I think we're doing a few shows, obviously the cancellations and restructure uh rescheduling we're having to do is putting page a lot of that. But this one's dropping on the nineteenth, so that's what next uh, as we drop this next Thursday. Uh open four way, pretty decent four way. Daniel McAbey, Rust Taylor, Anthony Green, Scotty Davis. Um, Scotty's only win of the weekend, but not very enjoyable four way. Uh, Norman Horace, Pretty Bastards, and Oliver Carter against the Smash Pillars. Um, just keep going. Maris Alani, Chris Ridgeway. Uh, actually, women's tag match, which I think first real input we had of, um, well, quote, WWE talent, obviously Oliver Carter in the early match. Stephanie Mays, Kill Kelly against Baby Allison and Valkyrie. That was pretty decent, bearing in mind the experience levels we had there. You know, a lot's been made of Killer Kelly. You know, at this point, you have to say, you know, done with WWE, regardless of what some people don't want you to say. Factors in Rev Pro, I think, is the biggest tell. And if you're still, if you think you know, Rev Pro's got to deal with WWE, maybe join your dots, but you know, that's not really that important, a big scheme of things. Before that was a pretty decent little tag. Um... Joe Gacy, Alexander James, again, decent match. Um, Young Guns against JAA, for was a really good tag match. My only problem with it, I guess you'd say, is I thought the Young Guns kind of got a bit overwhelmed by the JAA comedy. Don't know what you thought about that, uh, Gary. Yeah, I think they, they suffered a little bit, and but but you have to take into consideration who they're in the ring with, of, with the veterans in Skillet and Andy, and in terms of how established their characters are. And the young guns are only eighteen and nineteen, um, and they're not at that level yet. In ring, they're starting; to, they could hang with them, but from a character point of view, they they could get they they got easily lost. Um, no, no uh, sense of word a bad match. It was a really good match and, and a really good showcase for the young guns. Um, you know, um, it it was fairly obvious how how this match was going to go. I don't think the XB were going to hot shot the tag titles onto the young guns straight away. Um, They've done enough, though, to earn repeat booking with WXW and hopefully uh, at some point in the, towards the, the middle or end of the year that they are on a tour with them um, because it would be great development for them. But, uh, yeah, a, f- a fun match. Uh, just touching on the on the women's tag that match, I think Valkyrie looks, looked really, really good in that tag match. Um, Herb, you know, you get certain wrestlers who regress a little bit when they go into the NXT UK system, but Valkyrie's come on uh, quite a considerable bit. Um, She's starting to get very, very polished, um, and she's easily the best of the four women in the match. Um, So surprises here, and and really good to see that she she is starting to perform on a really good level. Um, but I think the, the, there was the, there's only one understanding match on on this uh, on this wheel of wrestling card that was, got everyone's attention when it got announced. Yeah, Walton Shikahiro Iwie. Um, it's last time we saw Iwie this weekend. And I'll just say it up front: this might be a bit controversial. This was far too one-sided for me. 
I thought it was going to be. I know they had that match in progress. Was it last year? But it was no, no, pretty much balls to the wall. But to me, this felt a lot more like I don't say glorified squash for Walter. But you look at you no, know, if you want the, you know, the stat, you know, statistic nerds who look at you no know, strikes thrown, takedown, submission attempts, blah blah. This is very one sided in Walter's uh, direction. It was, but. The, the thing that I took away from this match more than anything else was it was not a WWE Walter match. This was a WXW Walter match. This was Walter just wrestling his style that he always wrestled in this promotion. Uh, and it was refreshing to see. Uh, you know, it wasn't as if Walter decided he was just going to work a TV style match on pretty much what is pretty much a, t- a taping show. Um, Walter just delivered a Walter match, and I I really enjoyed this. Um, yeah, I think Gary could have got a little bit more offense, but for for what it was, considering Walter's going to be still in and out of the promotion for the remainder of the year, um, I, you know, they had to kind of keep the keep Walter strong. Unfortunately for Gary, and he was going to be the victim. Yep, and again, this uh, drops on Double X now on Thursday. So if you're signing for Bandido and Bailey. Keep a subscription active and you know, give us a go. Last night of Carrot Course, and Christ be about this time last last week, we were you know, on the way to the Central afterwards. Uh, open the match, Jern Simmons, Mike Bailey, for us a really good uh, match to get the show going with. I know Jern, night one was a bit for squash, night two was a bit for flat crowd after you know, Bandido and Bailey. I think this is probably Jern's best performance of the weekend, but. Bailey, for me, MVP the entire, you know, three nights of Carrot. And I think, yeah, this really good match. Um, my bracket was bust. I had Yearn winning the whole tournament. But, um, yeah, for Speedball, Morven held his own here. Yeah, I think I think Yearn was the... Going by... For anyone who's not really aware of 16 Car, most people are. But the to be tend to load the, the finals and semi-finals of, of 16 Carrot with a lot of their homegrown roster. Now, compared to 2019, a lot of their roster is being signed and were in Enfield, in Coventry that weekend for tapings. But, um, yeah, it, it, it stood out that Euron was the only WXW guy that was in the, in the semifinals. But credit to Euron, he, he, he showed up this weekend and Euron can be a wrestler that blows hot and cold. Uh, I'm a fan of the guy. But he can blow hot, and he can blow cold, and he can have stinkers. But he turned up at this weekend for Carrot and had all of his matches were enjoyable, and he was busting out offense he hasn't done since 2017, like the standing moonsault, uh, doing his top his uh, top rope moonsault as well for a big guy size of urine, which is quite impressive. He is still athletically gifted, and when he does want to turn it up, he can. And he did in the speedball match. I think it's probably one of urine's best matches in his career. Um, so good for your but yeah, speedball. Anyone who speedballs with just elevates him to that next level. And uh, I kind of played into then the, the next semi final match, which kind of made it obvious which direction they were going to go. Yep, Karen Rowdy Kingston. First story for the weekend was Kingston was uh, no, fed up with making stars. He wanted to be a star himself, but in the end came a little bit short against Karen Um I think this kind of. Now, I don't say he had one trick pony, but you know, he had the warm game plan, just you not know, trying to you know, beat the shit out of the other guy. I think Carl Noir step ahead, 
um, sleeper suplex and a blackout sleeper for win. Uh, but yeah, Eddie Kingston thinks for one guy who was being booed for whole weekend by, by design. And I think it just works a treat getting Carl over to the final in his debut weekend. Yeah, um, it, it did Karen Noir the world of good being put against Kingston in this match because Kara was getting a mixed reaction night one. Then night two, the crowd started to really kind of accept him. And then by night three, by this match, the German homegrown fans had accepted Kara as one of their guys. And, you know, you had that real face heel dynamic in this match. Um, you did have a certain proportion of the crowd that were cheering for Kingston, but majority was for Karen Noir and uh, a, a good match and, you know, set up a, a very tasty final. Okay, we'll touch that later. Uh, women's title. So, of course, going in the storyline to Black Street had been building to was Kelly, no, sorry, not Kelly Kelly, was Melanie Gray against Amal, but don't being built around Carson Beck, who uh, was notably absent this weekend, at least on screen. Um, Melanie Grave had to fight to get back to the Brexit, or at least in order to stress in Oberhausen. And then the week for show, uh, I think, uh, serious knee, knee ligament injury, I think, uh, she picked up. So she was dropped, they didn't announce replacement. And what ended up happening was, apparently, Killer Kelly was being given the uh, replacement shot. She didn't want to just behind for title shots so she gave it to somebody else who was happy to take it that being stephanie mays and i will say the match i think in terms of stars i went two and a quarter which on the surface doesn't look great but you know a lot of the turbine hall crowd probably hadn't seen stephanie before i thought she more than held her own but it was one of those matches where you have the background of the of killer kelly storyline which we can talk afterwards was leaving a bit for a sour taste in our mouth but you know, a more than passable match considering the world for law um, experience on show here. There's a tinge with this match when Stephanie Mays was announced as replacing Killer Kelly of WXW having their replacement for Killer Kelly ready when she's not going to be, be booked by them anymore. Uh, I feel like Stephanie Mays, very similar gimmick, um, very similar introduction to the company as well, you know, very new very green. Kelly was very new and very green when she was brought in and, and it's being pushed into, into the spot um, to, for it to be filled. WXW, we can give them credit where it's due, but the women's division is not where credit's due for them. It's being booked pretty badly um, and it's, notice, it's a notable ab- absence of any top names or any kind of homegrown talent apart from Stephanie Amal, who, you know, was established kind of elsewhere first, um, Valkyrie established elsewhere. They have a lot of wrestlers there who are just need experience and they're not able to carry, like they're not able to have anything at a level of other European promotions in their women's division. Uh, it got an okay match, but uh, I just felt that I think it was a little too early for Stephanie. Um, I think, and especially with someone like Amal, who Amal's still early on in her career as well. Like she's needs a bit more time. She she's got a character over, but the character is not going to get you to carry a, a relatively rookie wrestler through through a, a, a serviceable match. We kind of think you know, you had the background of you know Killer Kelly not wanting to not wrestle and she earns it. I think when you kind of tease the fans with that match, 
and then give you no know, due respect of you no know, relative rookie in Stephanie Mays. You now that one, you no, know, I can understand the crowd being quiet. For me, the bit afterwards, you know, had you no know, uh, Stephanie Mays lost. Uh, Alexander James came in. He kicked out crutch from uh, uh, Melanie Gray's leg the other day. We did the same again here, and you no, know, I think I guess what we're going for. I just think for a lot of people, it is very uncomfortable viewing. Um, especially, you know, you have the French fans at the ringside again, like the word uh, Tag Festival. You know, they gave sort of heart-shaped balloons for it to Mal Pop, to Alexander James popped as well. It's like, I guess what they're going for, I mean, they did something very similar with Dirty Dragon, the mental health storyline a few years back before CMJ left. But to me, you know, there's something different between an individual with mental health issues, which a lot of people can relate to, myself included. And then this, if it's, I don't know, it's an even final line they have been able to walk. It, fe- it felt very trashy. Um, I, I felt WXW's booking of Alexander James this weekend was abhorrent. It was just terrible. Um, I felt his matches were very mm, average. And then this story as well. And I understand, Alexander James is a great talker, but it shouldn't be for this purpose. And the storyline is uncomfortable. And it's not something, you know, you could say credit to WXW for trying something different, but it's not the right kind of difference. They need to, they might need to nix this and and reevaluate what what they're trying to do. Um, uh, And whether this has a payoff long term, it's just, it's not. What I don't, I don't, I don't think it's what fans want to see. And again, we'll see if this enforced break they're getting is going to make them change directions. But um, I guess you no know, sake from a match that or an angle that had a bit of consternation to one that was a bit more emotional. Uh, this being Timothy Thatcher's farewell to the XW, uh, Thatcher in Chicago against Walter Nakeda, and again. Two guys signed up to three and two guys who said earlier combined age for over 100. This could have been you no, know, you know, all four of these guys phoning it in. Thankfully, they didn't. Uh, but yeah, this was one I think I think a lot of people were still processing, obviously, losing David Starr the night before and you know, this on top. A very emotional weekend. You no, know, there's more of a, you know, almost not like a ticker tape parade, but more of a, you know, Everyone being grateful that they managed to see you no know, Timo one last time before he left, even if he wasn't thankful that you know they tried to leave him for microphone to say a few words before he ran out. It's it, uh, I can't remember much of this match because I was fighting back tears because it, it dawned on me as soon as Thatcher was in the ring. It's the last time I'm probably going to see him in Europe uh, yeah. in a independent capacity, and you know I'm not a avid watcher of the WWE product, so won't be seeing him on a regular basis and whatever he's doing with 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 uh with them but uh yeah it it, it just dawned on me in that match that you know a, a wrestler who was a big part of what i fell in love with do XW um in back in 2017 was leaving um uh, and then the, the, the send-off. But the send-off was very much a, a proper send-off for Tim Thatcher. And he did he did ask for the mic at one, at one point. And then he realized that he was getting the he was getting the, uh, the locker room uh, guard of honor walking out. And then he just decided, no, he wasn't having any of this because he was visibly upset as well. You know, this promotion, again, similar to Star, 
Dubexaby took a chance on Thatcher with ambition and Thatcher became one of their guys. You know, you can you can't really now like you can now Thatcher down to two promotions involved in WXW. Um the WXW run rehabbed his evolve run. Um you know, there's a reason why a lot of Europeans will sing his praises and a lot of Americans who aren't familiar with WXW still consider him with that horrendous run uh that Gabe had him have in the in in the uh, mid twenty tens. But uh yeah, it was very emotional and and unfortunately as much as WXW tried, just the remainder of the card didn't, re- apart from maybe one or two things, didn't really pick up after that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think with Timo, no, he's one of those guys I remember watching him evolve and, you know, we've said this about, you know, evolving in the past. You have, you know, it's not who you have, it's how you use them. And if you had someone like Timothy Thatcher and portray him to be purposely boring, what the hell are you doing as a booker? Like, you know, wrestling, I don't want to say it's fake, but you can, tr- promoters, writers, whatever you want to call them, control what happens in wrestling. And if your best idea is to portray someone as, you know, willfully dull, willfully boring, you know, you go back to the Lance Storm, you know, the boring, you know, storyline he had, which sure got him over, you know, no, and I think Tim Thatcher, when he was booked into the ground as the, well, booked into the ground's a bit harsh, and he had a you know, really long title run, but booked to be, willfully boring as well no i would dare say that you no know, turned a lot of people off of all when really they should have been a lot higher peak than they were but you no know, thankfully you not know, to got him they used him absolutely fantastically you know i mean when, i remember you know obviously tag festival last year when he won the title just for sheer joy and the sheer delight we had you know, we joked when it was announced for world tim thatcher festival and obviously, you know, he lost the belt two months later and now this, but, you know, as sad as it was, and, you know, dead believe were tears in my eyes as I was, you know, typing away during that match, uh, you know, at least he got to go out with a win and at least he got to go out in front for, you know, 1,200, uh, you know, fans in the audience. So, yeah, if this was his farewell, cheers to him and, you know, hopefully, you no know, see you back around uh, down the line. But, yeah, we had about quarter now to turn around for Matt. And shotgun title match, and this is, I think, where you're saying maybe heading towards the direction some are not happy with. Uh, they advertised Ilya Dragunov against Avalanche, and then we've got a third man announced, which brought back memories of Carrot, what, two years ago. Uh, it's Alexander Wolf who joined the match, makes the freeway. Um, yeah, I did not make me people when we heard the Ring Camp music, called, oh, it's Walt coming back out. Nah, it. Alexander Wolf and he's done some home da- some home dates of Heimspieler stuff for WXW last year, and to me, I no I I know there can be some people who think that Wolf come back is oh no WWE's leaning a bit more, that may or may not be the case. But to me, it's like if you know you have your big surprise pop, he's coming back again a bit too soon. Like was it only in November? When he did the big two of Dresden, you know, the match he's meant to have had of Lucky with um, Ilya Dragunov but got cancelled because they did the same match on NXT TV and then the injuries and what have you. I mean, no all power from him. They've got a recognisable face back, but I guess for those of us who you know, aren't front and centre in WXW or at least on the, on the ground for the matches, uh, Alexander Wolf coming back in and obviously winning the title, it's very hard not to see this as, you know, them being thrown a bone. Yeah, I 
there's there was two things that really bothered me about this match. Um, the first part is Avalanche nearly was a match that didn't need, was was actually very well fairly well built in just in like in between the dead end show and the fact that Avalanche and Lily have so much established history in WXW together with Cerberus and their matches they've had back and forth battles they've had um the other thing as well was the way this like, they had Ilya and or they had Ilya and Avalanche in the ring and they had the they had Tommy grab a piece of paper off one of the production guys saying the match is now a three-way dance and then you're tainting one of WXW's most special moments. And then people having that shock reaction. Then it was Wolf. And now this is there's a disconnect between what I've what I felt here and what the German fans had. The German fans loved this. This went down amazingly well with the live crowd for a majority of that crowd. But the traveling fans um have seen this happen, you know. They've seen these little kind of make goods from WWE with guys being brought in and then having that guy win the title, um, which I could have probably taken Ilya winning the title because Ilya's going to be in WXW a hell of a lot more than Wolf. You know, Wolf is a US resident. He's pretty much, you know, he's considered part of the main NXT roster. Um, Ilya is still signed to that UK deal uh, just it it just left a very sour taste in my mouth and then afterwards it just became a complete mess in terms of a of a story then trying to book around this yeah so I guess when when, when we'd been um, the road to carrot shows I think it was when they start I think first round members Hamburg but I'm sure it was a few before where they had the eyeball on the screens with distracted lucky kids um, this came up night one, I think for the start of this match with Yearn, the eyeballs came up the screen, distracted him, and he got lost in, he lost in very quick time. Um, so yeah, after the match, you know, Alexander Wolf does this whole, you know, I'm staying here, I'm going to defend this champion, blah, blah. Then the eyes pop on the screen, and then we see those who watch more than just the Wexler in Germany, a tag team called Group Anarchy, uh, Abdul Kane and Aitak Bahar ran into the ring to attack Wolf. Unfortunately, I guess not many people in Oberhaus and watch GWF. I don't blame them. Uh, they got the who are you, who are you chance. Then Lucky Kid, and I'll say one spectacular thing about this, how he didn't go arse over tea kettle over this, I have no idea, just the way he sprinted down that ramp. And bear in mind, it's not like the usual level walkway or a, not a straight angle. It's like angle, flat bit, angle, floor. You know, could easily have tripped over and, you know, not done a spectacular entry for Botchamania, but yeah, Lucky Kid joined in, uh, hit the ring, then joined in, and long German promo time. Um, if one could make out, he was fed with being the other guy, whether it was Schadenfreude, whether it was Rise, and Lucky Kid is now no more. He's now rechristened himself as Metahan, and I guess the big takeaway is he distracted himself. Yeah, this this is the part that gets me. It's uh, I I had copped I had I'd very easily copped on that this was where direction they were going because Lucky Kid in releasing his most recent merch for sixteen card had the eye on the merch and with his phrase expect the unexpected so there was te- they were telegraphing this that he was behind it but then you think of why was he distracting himself in these matches this makes no sense at all 
um, from a, a logic, why are you distracting yourself to lose matches? Um, I, I'm all for putting Lucky Kid as, as part of a stable with having guys. I think it's a, a that part and the group is easel um, um, that they formed. You know, it's a good a good look for him, but the way it was executed was a fairly poor. And I just it, at the end of that match, it was just like, okay, I can see what he's doing, but just that execution was so so poor. Um, you know, I'm glad they are rehabbing Lucky Kid. He needs it. Um, considering he won car the year before. Um, he needed serious re- rehab in terms of his character, so he's getting it. But sloppy execution, I think, from the WXW on this part. Um, but you know, I'm I'm willing to give them benefit of the doubt in how that plays out in for the remainder of the year. Um, usually, when they put steps in motion for these these kind of turns, they usually have fairly decent payoffs. Yeah, I guess a few things. Well, with uh, Azel, I think it's. Uh means a turn she I think it is so no they they're not going for risers but for one thing I really hope they do they need to change up music. You know, the rise knockoff music with lucky kids got that that cannot be repurposed for Azel because you're gonna have that no I'm not saying it's a stink but if you're the mindset of you no know, Lucky Kids twenty nineteen after winning carrot has gone to shit then if you need to just you no know, clean you no know, clean slate, do what have you, get new music, then do that. Um, it's interesting. I'm looking on his uh, uh, Twitter page now. Um, Lucky uh, Metahan was getting rid of his old ring jackets in February, and he's put up his old ring gear as well. So this again clears into oh shit, this isn't going well. No, what do we do? This has been something they've planned for a long while. Um, yes, yeah, so I think you no know, rebrand. You no, know, think some people may take it as you no. Know, it's um, no some, maybe sound feed. I don't think that's the case. Um, you no, know, I think you know Yogo when we had you no know, and Double XW. I think there were plans there, but Schadenfreude not being around as much didn't help. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where this goes. Obviously, when things pick up again. Um, Two more matches left. We had the uh, traditional Lucha and Sanity six-man tag. And we had another ball of money here, Gary. Um, Hector Invictus, <laughs> Puma King, Black Taurus against Julian Pace, Jeff Cobb, Bandido. Um, it, this was absolute insanity. Uh, I literally, just before we started recording, I watched the end back. And, you know, night one, they made the announcement, uh, you know, Tommy saying no, only four notes, no coins. They didn't do this on night two. So you can see at the end of the match, poor Julian Pace, you know, cowering around because he's getting pelted with, you know, the odd coins. And Jeff Cobb right right the end, and you can literally hear him, you know, clear the the microphones. You can see a coin hit him, you go, fuck! <laughs> yeah, oh, Jeff Cobb had a great weekend carrot, uh, this, this, this year. For a late um, replacement, absolutely fantastic. As a late replacement, I think it shows the level of that Cobb's at, um... You know, someone who has really backed on himself and, you know, he's overcome terrible booking in Ring of Honor to uh, to really establish himself as one of the hottest names in, in a, well, kind of free agent, considering he's not actually signed uh, to AEW at the moment. So, yeah, and 
just this we we can probably go on about Bandido for another hour how good of a talent he is and he is you know he easily could be that that next lucha guy that just breaks that that becomes synonymous with what you consider lucha um not just on an independent level but there's a star quality about him um you know i watch him and i'm watching how when i first watched guys like ray mysterio um you know guys like eddie and chavo and i'm thinking you know wow you know this guy just gets it um and you know again as, as as i said earlier pace stood out in this match as well pace went went in with this match and you know well and truly stood on his own and and even hector hector invictus who tko two years ago was was being a one of the job guys for wxw on shotgun tapings and now he's he had a, he got a really good moment in, in a match with with uh, with with Cobb and Bandito and Pace. So you know, very happy for him. Um, I think I hope the the Lucha style rules match becomes a tradition on Carrot. I think it's that proper kind of palate cleanser before you go into your big final match. Um, and it's it's always a great crowd pleaser. I I love this. Uh, this brought me back into the show and brought me back into the mood for the main event. And again, I think we've had this for last year or two. You know, I think when we when I looked at the field of entrance, Puma King, Black Taurus, Bandito, they were pretty much nailed on for this match. So hey, they delivered. Uh, final match, of course, the final of 16 carat gold, Caranoir, Mike Bailey. And I guess it be fair to say it's a very rare final between two outsiders. I mean, this was Caranoir's debut weekend. Uh, but in the end, he followed in the footsteps of Shingo, Winning 16 carat gold on his debut weekend, and this I thought was a fantastic match. Maybe starting a bit more alongside, I went form three quarters. Um, and this comes from a guy who you know was really ambivalent on Noir until about six months ago. Uh, but I think this one, I think Mike Bailey, I don't want to say carried the match, but I think Caronois, you know, stepped up his game, you know, you know having to you know, win a tournament like this, you can't just you know be there. Um, I think mean, this one thing by the end, you know, they were they both hit for big finishes, then went a step up, then another step up. I think the big thing in this match, which you don't really see a lot out of them, Speedball playing the very subtle but very obvious heel throughout this made this match a whole lot better than if it was just another two another two good guys kicking each other to bits. We we've seen flashes of heel speedball on Mike Bailey in some promotions. Um and it's something that it brings me unbridled like excitement because he he can deliver in that role, and it's it's just been teases. But whoever actually books Speedball as this heel character is on onto something with a lot of money. He's just he's got it, and he can just there's something about his style, the way he wrestles, that just like because it becomes instantly more vicious. And and his facial expressions become that so much more nastier, um, and to think of the guy, uh, the the guy like how much of a sweetheart Mike Bailey actually is, um, you know, it's it's such a great uh, it's such a great uh, contrast. Um, I I was a little down on this match with the, how it finished as a match though it would take it out of the vacuum of 16 carat gold was a phenomenal match and worthy of being the 16 carat final um in terms of the in-ring quality uh i think this is two back-to-back like 
two two years in a row where the the final is really delivered on an in ring, uh, on the in ring side. Um, but in terms of the booking, you know, having your the Progress World Champion come into the tournament for the very first time and win it, and you have Karen O'Hara now kind of the top guy in Progress and now the the the, the guy bubbling under the top now for WXW. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of leading to where Karen O'Hara is probably going to be ending up in a few months' time, um, which is no slight to Karen O'Hara if he, if he does sign with WWE, but it just feels like he's being used as a, this is being used as kind of a development step for him rather than Carrot traditionally being given to a guy that's homegrown. And Speedball could have filled in that gap because Speedball's been in and out of this promotion for years, you know, Speedball's first carrot was 2017. Yep. You know he's been in 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 and out of the promotion consistently, and I think it would have been a nice kind of a, a nice moment for Speedball if he had one carrot. And I don't think most people would have been as negative on the overall weekend had Speedball won. I think so. I think with you know with his final again, a few people sit like self said how Carnoir, you know he's gone well from nowhere, you know. He's involved in um, Super Strong Style, no, not Super Strong Style, the National Progression Series last year. And then he's you know, won the Progress title and, um, I'll say, Dewey circumstance, but I would argue maybe not for planned circumstances back in January, then Miss. I do wonder if this was the plan to be his big, you know, arrival on the scene and then you know, what happened to Progress kind of you know, skewed things up. But, um, yeah. Again, I think this is what where we are now with you know, the label and with WWE and the Indies. You know, if this was, was a extended trial for Carl Noir, well, it's passed. But again, we've seen, you know, if you watch NXT UK, a lot of the guys who are fairly big deals within your progresses, your F pros, your WXWs, it's not nailed on that you're going to be a big deal in NXT UK unless you're treated like that out of the gates. You know, and for one thing I've said for a while about Carl Noir is if you're if you put him in there against another guy who's got a strong character, absolutely great. Week to week on TV, that's where I wonder is you no know, I'm not saying he's knock off the ability we've seen this weekend, he absolutely does. But in terms of you no know, WWE TV, I I'm not that convinced he's that big a fit. Like you'd get the entrance shoe but then the bell goes and Five-minute match, you know, where do you go, especially considering he doesn't promo because of his character? I have a feeling he's got he's got the right allies in, in that system at the moment to make sure he's treated properly. Um, there, there's there's definitely people who sign, who sign deals and, and they are fairly well protected. And I think he is would be someone who'd be like that rather than exposed from the get-go to... Uh, to the harsh realities of WWE booking. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, it just left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth over at the end of the weekend. Um, and it, it is doubting whether I do carrot next year. Cause I've, I've already committed to doing tag, uh, the catch grand prix in September. But yeah, like carrot was probably my, my definite trip that I would conduct. I would go every year. Um, since I, booked it back for my first trip in 2017 bought, buying tickets for 2018 on on the advice of uh, Sarah and Alan and then 
now where I'm considering is, is it worth my time? Not because it's not a phenomenal weekend of wrestling, but whether do I want to spend, do I want to be invest? do my investment in the promotion that's producing this event is, is declining and very similar position. It was a progress in 2018 where after that super strong style weekend, the, the writing was on the wall uh, in the direction that they were going and whether it was going to give them uh, give them the time and effort and travel uh, to, to go to those shows was just it was quickly fading. I think, again, you know, comparing the you know, WXW progress, I think WXW's got a lot more, how can I put it, we've got a lot more goodwill of the fans in terms of you know, they were up front, they've been up front with the whole relationship from the start. No, you've not had the oh no, no. It's all coincidence, but we having to move shows because of the same weekend as NXT UK. At least for the early going, um, I do think with this, it's going to be a case of pardon face, you know, sucked and seeming. Especially you know for pause that everyone's having to go through right now. We don't know, you know how it's going to come out through the other end. Um, I think the big takeaway, you know, obviously, you know. Carrot, Clash of NXT UK tapings, Tag League, Clash of NXT UK tapings. These are happening a lot more often. Now, you know, I think the next big festival is the Catch Grand Prix scheduled for September, whether that goes ahead or not, we'll see. Um, but the fact that you know, right now, I think NXT UK don't have that much in the way of tapings books beyond, um, is it beyond download, I think it is. Let me check. So we've got... Obviously, uh, Download Festival, uh, tapings start in May. These currently on the books, course, who knows what's going to happen. And uh, tapings in July. So, you know, actually go ahead and plan. They usually get six, seven, six or eight episodes out of TV there. So you're talking last week, July. So we're talking about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven depending on what they tape, they may well be running a Catch Grand Prix head-to-head with another NXT UK taping, as funny as that lines up. I think the XW have kind of, they've learned from Derek's previous experiences with the WWE overlap that they tend to book their weekends without strong WWE guys or guys that they know to be aren't going to need that weekend, which is a shame because there is a guys I would love to see in, a, in one of those uh, in one of those weekends, but um, yeah, I, I feel in considering the two names that have been announced so far, Laredo Kid and uh, JD Drake, JD Drake having connections with with NXT already, but Laredo Kid being a a a independent name uh, outside of the, the big companies is um, it probably gives an indication of the direction that they're going. Um, but then again, that's still very much up in the air. We haven't even got a definite amount of how many people are going to be in that and stuff. So uh, that that's one to keep an eye on then for September. Yeah, a lot of question marks. And again, I think we're pushing two hours. So yeah. I think, you know, same with uh, Carrot. Maybe a lot of question marks over booking the future. But as a weekender, I mean, I didn't, obviously I didn't do cult, but again, take out the showcase. I don't see a single bad match across the WXW branded shows. No, Which, there was Again, when you think you're talking, I think I counted my sheet, 60 matches. So if you've got 60 matches, which at worst are okay, you know, plus, you know, 
the big big show feeling of sixteen hundred fans on the Sunday on the Saturday, uh, twelve thirteen hundred on the Sunday. You know, Carrot, as much as people are saying you know, the spectre of WWE may be uh, causing a change in how people look at the Rex W and the whole European scene, these Carrot weekends still feel special. Whether twenty twenty one, you know, when we get there, if we're in the same position we are now, or whether you know the trigger's being pulled and WXW now is on the WWE Network and you, know, you end up with you know, the stuff that people say you know, the booking's not entirely in their control. Right now you know, from what I'm seeing this weekend you know, it's all incidental stuff I guess you'd say. You know, but for me you know, having sat through all the shows absolutely fantastic weekend, loved every second of it and if this is, as seems to be the last you know, big-time live wrestling weekend we're going to have for a while, it's been a hell of a weekend to go out on. Yeah, I, I think part of me, there was, there was you know, I, I would be kind of kicking myself that I didn't do 16 cards, uh, knowing how things kind of phased out. But, you know, in, in terms of enjoyable, that I, I do highly recommend anyone who hasn't ever done the trip to, to Oberhausen for 16 card to do it it's it even if it's a one soft bucket list thing there's a special atmosphere around that weekend that you know is it's not manufactured it's yeah. there it's it's very palpable um and you know Oberhausen on those weekends can be some of the best one of the best crowds in wrestling so it's 100 percent worth your time if you haven't done it to do that weekend um booking going... or book, booking aside and we've got Mike Kilby's Wild Ride, you get the whole WrestleMania weekend vibe in one day. So, you know, you could go to four shows on one day. You know, I think as well with, you know, the way least set up this year, uh, Cult is in the Cult Temple, which is, I believe it's in the car park of the Turbine Hall, so you're not like you're having to go across town for these. Um, you know, again, if you, if you want to be the kind of person who just goes through all the wrestling, well, here you go, and you only don't have to go too far, no, too far away from the same building to do it. But um, yeah, we'll see where we are. But uh, one, thank you very much for joining us, uh, Gary. Um, I guess you know, no, the obvious, the obvious subject of the news for the moment. What's your plans uh, for what many things be the impending lockdown? TNA. Uh, <laughs> well, I think I've got a backlog of stuff that I haven't watched from the start of the year already. So, wrestling-wise, I think I'd be fairly kept up to uh, up to date. But um, I've also be I'll also be working on stuff for Eurograps dot com, uh, which I cover predominantly the Irish side of wrestling uh, for that site. Uh, but I will be covering stuff for WXW as well uh, from Sixteen Carat, as well as uh, a little bit of piece on wrestling cult because you know it, that's probably not going to make tape for quite a few months and you know people need to hear about uh Mott van Kunder against Christianium. Um thought you were gonna but, say Carnage and Rico Bushido eh? No 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 if you want to hear an in-depth review there I will if you want hit me up and I'll give you a a point in direction if you want to hear an amazing review of that match. <laughs> yeah well Will Cooling uh PW Torch thinks had a lot of stuff covered uh both in terms of direct re carrot and ongoing situation. But um yeah, I guess you no know, everyone's going on, you no know, everyone stay safe, you know, pick your favourite uh, VOD service, a huge amount of uh, you know, back catalogues to go through. I'm gonna try and pick some highlights out. I know there's a lot of threads going around Twitter with stuff on YouTube. Um yeah, I'll say it's just stay safe everyone and you know, we'll see you some point down the line. Oh,